Corinthians in chapter 3. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to look a little bit at chapter 2 just to get us started. Amen. And so uh, if you're new here to Woodlake or just visiting, always bring your Bible. We use our Bible around here. Amen. Y'all hold them up. Let me see them if you got your Bible. Y'all hold them up. That's what I like. See, they'll bring them if the pastor will use his Bible. And so these are my sheep, so I'm going to feed my sheep. Y'all all right? Well, if you'll look, <clears throat> I love this. Dr. Vines talked about the latter part of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3. Now, I mentioned something to you last week about, uh, about this. If you look in chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, but the natural man doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. That's the natural man. If you look in verse 15, he says, The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. There's the spiritual man. Now, we're going to come to the next person, Dr. Dr. Vines. This is the way he outlines it. I outlined it a little bit differently. Uh, Dr. Vines said uh, the man... The, uns, the unspiritual man, he is the, uh, the natural man is in Egypt. He's still there. Uh, the spiritual person is the man from Canaan. He got into the promised land. And then there's another guy, and that's where we come to. I said last week, we'll get to this guy, and so here we are. We're to this guy. Now, the title of the message is The Failure of Church Success. We've talked about what the success of the church was, which was unity. So as we come together and as we don't do like a lot of Baptist churches, fight. I don't allow fighting around here. We just don't put up with it. And so if you, if you want to fight, you can go outside and fight by yourself, all right? So we just don't do that. It kills church unity and robs our energy from doing what we're called to do, which is preach the gospel. And so we, we don't want to do that. So I want us to be the spiritual man. I want us to be in Canaan. Paul mentions somebody very important right here. And he says in verse number one, Brothers, I wasn't able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babes in Christ. Wow, this is the carnal man. This is the man that's walking worldly. One of the most uh, often asked questions to your pastor is, Brother Jerry, do you think so-and-so is saved? They do. They say, you look, look at the way that boy's living. Or they'll say, well, the Bible says this about the people that do this, 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 and this, that they're going to hell, okay? Well, I want to tell you, that's all true. And I've said to you from this pulpit, no change, no Christ. If you say you got saved and there's no change in your life whatsoever, you're not saved. I've also said to you, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, when you come to know Jesus Christ, he puts the Spirit of God within you. But there is a gray area in here that's very difficult when we think that we've seen someone get saved and they live for Christ and then they get into the world. And that is what Paul says the problem was in 1 Corinthians. He says of the Corinthians church that they were walking worldly. Now, there was a lot of reasons for that, and that's what the message is going to be like. But let me just say this to you. It's very difficult. And in 1 John chapter 5... There is a verse there that many of you have never understood. And until I put the whole picture together in the scripture, I didn't really get it. But Paul uh, 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 is, is in First John. And John says, when, when you look at someone, he says, there's a sin unto death. And he says, I'm telling you, don't pray about that. So you say, is there something we're not supposed to pray about? Yes, there's something you're not supposed to pray about. <clears throat> you look at someone... They're not living for Christ, and you say, God's going to take you out. God says, that's none of your business. Because there's either two things that can happen. 
One, a person gets saved and they walk in the world and they never grow, they never get spiritual, and they're not the spiritual man. They literally are walking in a carnal state of worldliness. They're saved, and we're going to find out that that's the case. But there's also some other people that really are not saved. And I want to promise you this. This goes for your pastor. It goes for you. That if you know Jesus, like these people in Corinth, I mean, they were blood-bought. They were saved. As a matter of fact, if you'll remember back in chapter 1, the first five or six verses, Paul talked about what an awesome church it was. He said these people were gifted with more spiritual gifts than any church that he had ever seen. They had gifts of speaking and wisdom and all of these things. Paul said, you've been blessed beyond any church that I know, but you're carnal. And so there were some problems there. And so it's very, very difficult. Many of you right now are in in the position of this message. This message is as good as tomorrow's newspaper. You're going to live it out with me. And God forbid that you be here, but you may know some folks like this that you believe that at some point in their life they, they found the truth, they knew the truth, they heard the truth, they, they, but they're not living the truth. And you're worried about them. You're worried if they're saved or not. And some people will just flat out, some of the legalistic folks will just tell you, no, if you do that, you're not saved. Well, that's not true because this church was as carnal as it could possibly be. And they were doing some things in here. Matter of fact, Paul introduces incest and different things, and he's like, holy smoke, there's some terrible things going on in this church. And so uh, Paul says this church in in chapter 1 could have been probably the best church that he ever planted. And so they were called, they were sanctified, they'd been given grace and peace, they were enriched with spiritual gifts and knowledge, and Paul witnessed, he said, I come, literally, he says, it was confirmed in you that you knew the Lord Jesus. And so here he says in verse number one, he says, brothers, I wasn't able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, you were, you were, you were like babes in Christ. He said, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it yet. And in fact, he said, you're still not ready for it. You're still not grown up in the Lord enough to get this because you're still fleshly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and living like unbelievers? Paul didn't say they were unbelievers. He said, you're living like unbelievers. And so one of my favorite things is to talk about sin this way. And when I go and preach revival, I have a message I call Three Walking Dead Men. There's a man that could be in this room that does not have Jesus as his Savior. He's a walking dead man. Amen? There's another man that's given his life to Jesus, but he's spiritually dead because he's walking in the world. He's worldly walking. And then some of you are here and you've died to the flesh and you're serving Jesus with your whole heart. You're the spiritual man and you've died to self. Uh, As a matter of fact, it goes the same way. When Jesus died on the cross that day, there was two other men there with him. There was a man that died in his sin. He rejected Christ. There was a man that died to his sin. And then Jesus was the man there that died for sin. And so those three people, every room that I preach in, those three people are in that room. 
There's some of you who want to walk with Jesus. Maybe I can bring some clarity to that today. And so what was the problem? Let's look at the what. The problem was, as we've seen in verses uh, chapter 1, Paul dealt with this. He said there were divisions, there were schisms, there wasn't any unity, and that's where pastor preached the success of the New Testament church is unity. I promise you, if the church has unity across the board, you will be a successful church. God can inhabit that church and use the church members to reach lost people everywhere. Uh, Paul says, you're wrongfully following men. Do you remember some of the people there said, you know, after Paul left, says, no, we follow Paul. Somebody else says, no, we follow Barnabas. Somebody else says, no, we follow Cephas. And then somebody got spiritual and said, no, we're following Jesus. And there's always those folks around, no, I'm following Jesus. Well, are you sure about that? So they, they had poor theology. you got to remember, these people came out of a pagan culture. And may I say that when someone gets saved at Woodlake and they come out of the pagan culture, we have to understand that they came out of the pagan culture. They're going to bring the ideas and things that they, that, that they had in the world with them, and that's why we have to disciple them. We have to teach them the things of God. And most of us just look at people and say, well, you know, that person's so terrible. Look at the sin in their life. Look at the way they're raising their kids. Look at the way they live their life. Look where they go. Look what they do. Look at the entertainment they, they experience. Well, the reason they're doing that is because you don't know any better. You, we have to teach them. And so these divisions came in there. This was, a, this was a church that had terrible theology. That's why the pastor should not get up and just give three points in a poem. You need to be in the book. We're going to look at the book today. I'm going to dissect this thing for you. And then emotionalism. This was an emotional church. Many of these people had been saved from, from prostitution out of the temples where they, they literally went in and, and those types of activities were a part of the worship service. Now, these are people that were sinful. Now, listen very carefully. We're in the same place today. Our world that we're living in right now is a place where the only God that people know is drugs and sex and partying. That's it. They don't know any, they don't know the sense of true joy when they come to us. Well, the why? Well, the foundation of church success had been destroyed. There was no unity. They had divisions in the church. This is why we have to deal with divisions. I'm not so much as worried about sin and, and people who just got saved in their lives. We'll help them work that out. Our job is to to, to catch them, Jesus will clean them up. Y'all all right? Because he cleaned you up, didn't he? And you're still working on it. The failure of church success is worldly walking. Do you remember the finality? You remember pastor preached the finality of church success. And the finality was worldly wisdom. When a pastor catches on to the woke garbage that's out there, and he's going, oh, this is worldly wisdom. We're going to run the church that way. Well, you can just, you can just put Ichabod on the front door. The glory has departed. And so as we go through this text, I want you to think about that. Now, that's laying the foundation right here. We want to talk about, you say, well, can somebody really be saved and live like this? Well, you, you just decide for yourself. This was the church that Paul said was probably had the mo more potential than any other church that, that he had started. And here's what Paul says about them. In verse number 1, Paul says, I could not address you as spiritual I couldn't put you on the plane of a spiritual person because you didn't understand spiritual things. Did you know that there are times that pastor comes to the pulpit that there are things in my notes. I'll leave them in my notes, but I'll skip them. Because as a group, there's many of you, you can't eat it. You ever tried to give peanut butter and crackers to a baby? Can't do it. They're going to choke. My brother and sister almost killed me when we was kids. They were just shoving peanut butter and crackers in my mouth. 
And thank goodness mama came in the room or y'all wouldn't have a pastor today. I wouldn't be here. You can't give steak to little children. You can't give a five-year-old a BB gun. You got to wait till he gets 12. At least. These people, Paul says, I couldn't tell you the spiritual stuff because you were unspiritual and you're still unspiritual, he said. There are many times that people will ask me a question. You know why I don't do a lot of counseling? Because people only come for one counseling session. I tell them the truth and they're like, I ain't doing that. And they don't come back because they can't take the truth. Amen? All right. Worldly walking. What was wrong with them? They were spiritually and scripturally ignorant. They didn't study. They had no church polity. They didn't understand doctrinal, uh, doctrinal uh, proficiencies. They didn't understand doctrine. Nobody taught them doctrine. You know what's absent from the New Testament church? Doctrine. Nobody teaches doctrine anymore. They have 45 minutes of music. And, and bless the Lord, oh, my soul, we love music around here. Amen? We love it. And it's as good as it's ever been. We, we do some hymns and we do some choruses and we do a little bluegrass sometimes. We, you know... We, we do whatever, you know, we mix it up so everybody here gets a little taste of what they want. But we're not going to fight about the music. We're just not going to do it. Doctrine, however, is important. Doctrine determines behavior. And so we, we stick to the book. So experiential ignorance. They had just not walked with Christ long enough. So people will take these passages out of context. A, a lot of them had been saved for five or six years. They were, some of them were mature believers, but there were a lot of ungodly young Christians in the church. I remember at my former church that I grew up in, there was a young lady that was coming, and she, her husband was a soldier, and we were close to Fort Gordon. And I was so proud of the people at Curtis for this because I had come out of the world when I was saved. She wasn't dressing properly, and she, she didn't wear the right clothing to church. Nobody said a word. Well, in about three weeks, her husband got shipped off, and she was going to go later on. But that night, that morning, she walked down the aisle and gave her life to Jesus Christ. Guess what happened that night? When she came back that night, she was dressed properly. Guess who told her to dress properly? The Holy Spirit told her. You see, we have to put up with some things when people come in. They, they use different languages that we do. Well, use different languages than some of y'all. But, they, you know, they use different languages than we do, and they, they dress differently. And we have to be very careful about that. We want, we want to help them understand. We gently tell them, now, we don't speak like that around here. So you can, you know, we, we try to help them. These people didn't have any experience in Christ. Uh, spiritual disciplines, they lack the fruit of the Spirit. They lack love. They lack forgiveness. They came out of the world. You offend me, I punch you. We don't do that. We forgive here. Well, some of y'all don't do that, but I mean, you know, <laughs> they had Holy Spirit ignorance. Now, you listen very carefully to Pastor because when we get to chapters 12, 13, and 14, many of you will get angry with me. I'm telling you now. Why? Because I'm going to tell you what the Holy Spirit says in the book when we get to chapters 12, 13, and 14. When we start talking about spiritual gifts and the Holy Spirit, some of you are going to say, well, that's not what I was taught. And I'm going to say, well, I'm sorry, but that's what's in the book. And see, they were ignorant of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying to them, how could a group of people follow and do what the Holy Spirit says when they didn't understand the Holy Spirit? We've let the charismatics take the Holy Spirit away from us. Because we don't know the proper doctrines of the Holy Spirit. And so when we get to that, and my views reflect what Paul says here. How can one claim to understand spiritual gifts when one doesn't understand the Holy Spirit? I had people that will say, well, my spiritual gift is this. I'm saying, Paul doesn't list that as a spiritual gift. Well, this is what happens to me. That's not what the Word of God says. 
How can you say you understand spiritual gifts when you don't understand the Spirit? And so they were worldly walking. Now notice, the, notice here in, in verse number 1, Paul says, you guys are walking in the flesh. He said, you're fleshly. And pastor often talks about semantic domains. Well, this is one of those words where semantic domains is very important because the same word that's used for ribeye right here is the same word that's used for something else. It's the Greek word sarks. And so Paul says, uses a word, and the domains of semantically, the domains are different, and Paul uses this term metaphorically. Paul says you're of the flesh. He's not talking about cow meat. He's talking about the old man. And if you don't know it, you still have the old man right there with you. You've been given the Holy Spirit, but you have the old man, and you fight with him every day of your life. I fight with him. This is why there are no people walking around here with wings and halos, because we're all of the same flesh. And so let me listen very carefully. If you're going to church somewhere and you can't talk to your pastor, and when he gets through preaching, he goes out the back door and runs to his office because he doesn't want to talk to the, to the peasants. You need another church because that guy is just out of, he's cut out of the same cloth you are. If he's godly, he'll work more discipline in his life than you do, but he's no different than you are. We're all in the same place. And so he's just an average guy. And so here we are. Paul says you are literally, metaphorically, you're of the flesh, and you are. it refers to the passions of the soul. The external vices is hedonism. And, and, you know, some of you told me last week, you said, Pastor, when you closed the service last week, that illustration about that boat going downstream made so much sense to me. And I want to tell you, my uncle and many of the other people uh, during Labor Day, they used to go every year. They would go in in Augusta, and they would get on the Savannah River, and they would go all the way to Savannah, go all the way to Savannah. And so the Savannah River runs through there, and there's places that, you know, the river kind of dries up, and they get up and pull the boat across and then go on again. And then then every now and then, somebody's boat will break down. You know what they do? They say, we'll be there late, but here's what we're going to do. We're just going to float down the river. We won't be there tonight, but we'll be there tomorrow. Guess what happens? They get there. You know why? Because the water's going that way. And it's easy. You just float down the river. Y'all ever been in one of those chase the little rubber duckies in the water thing, you know, and uh, you, you go and you buy ducks and they throw the ducks in there and then if your duck comes in first, you win a lot of money. So they just throw them in the river. They just go down. But when you turn around, nobody floats up river. It's hard to do that because you're going against the current. When you get saved and you come to know Jesus, that's when you've been redeemed, mind, body, soul, and spirit. But you, but you haven't been given your new body yet. You won't get that till you get to heaven. And I don't know about you, but my body gets angry. It lusts. It eats too much. It doesn't want to exercise. It likes to sit down and watch football all the time. Now, you have to push yourself. Why? You have to fight. And so some of you got saved and you just thought, oh, man, everything is okay in my life. I got saved. Boom. All of a sudden, all this trouble. You know why? Because you're going against the current. These folks were going against the current. They were worldly walking. Now, you may not be fighting the flesh, but your pastor is. I mean, I'm just working on it every day, all day, all day long, pushing, pushing, pushing. Why? Because Paul said there's nepios. They're babies. He said they didn't know any better. Now, Paul says they're babies. They're walking walking in the flesh. So what's wrong with babies? Well, babies cry when they don't get their way. 
You ever seen new believers act like little babies? That's because, you know, I, matter of fact, I've seen people quote who are spiritual people, known the Lord for years, act like little babies. We have to take them down to the nursery, feed them, change them, powder their bottoms, and put them back in service. Y'all all right? The only difference is the nursery gets bigger for bigger people. Y'all know I'm talking, y'all know I'm telling the truth. People get, you get, how many times have you ever heard this? Well, that just hurt my feelings. You know what? It's good for you. It's good for your kids. good for everybody. Get your feelings hurt. Because the people out there, they don't care about your feelings. Y'all all right? They cry when they don't even know why. I worked, I worked in the recovery room when I was in college at the hospital. I worked with 28 women. I think I was absorbing estrogen <laughs> by osmosis. I'd go home and cry. My mother said, why are you crying? I don't know. I have no idea. Have you ever seen young Christians? They cry for no reason. They get upset for no reason because they're just struggling. It's all new, and we've got to rescue them. We, you know, you've got to teach the little babies. You've got to teach them to, to share. That's our Sunday school class. That's, those things, they belong to my ministry. Can I just tell you, everything here belongs to Jesus? Y'all all right? And if your ministry needs what I got, you can have it, Right? People say, Brother Jerry, you loan your stuff to anybody. Guess why? Because it's not mine. It's his. We're all about the ministry around here. They're very needy. They need rocking. They need soothing. And so you see, what makes a worldly Christians? Well, ingratitude. That's what happens to us. We're worldly. The people in the world, don't, they are not thankful. You know why all these people today hate America? They're in the greatest country in the world. They hate America because they're not grateful. Lack of discipline. You see, there are people that give in to sin instead of fighting the sin. They're not going, uh, they're not going uphill. Today, here, here's, here's the culture. This is the difference between them and us. The culture says self-expression. What do we say? Self-denial. You see, we're not the same people. The, the people in Corinth needed to be taught, no, you don't get your way. You deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Uh, in our world, you know, they, you know, God became man. In their world, man can become God. No, uh, I was born this way. We say, get born again. Y'all all right? <laughs> I'm perfect the way I am. No, you're not. I'm a sinner. I'm totally depraved, and I need Jesus for every minute particle of righteousness that I get until he sends me to heaven and, and gives me a new body. Y'all all right? You, you know, there's lack of discipline in their, their life. And then sometimes people are just not really saved. There's no progress in their life. Look in verse number 2. Paul says, you're still this way. Listen to Galatians chapter 5. So I say this by the Spirit and you will, and so that you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Do you know what my problem is? I do what the flesh wants me to do instead of what the Spirit wants me to do. You see, Paul says you do that. Look, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you weren't ready for it, and you're still not ready for it. Sometimes I think, Lord, why haven't done this in our ministry here at Woodlake? Why haven't, Lord, why are we not doing this? Why are we not running three or 400 people? Lord, we knew, and the Lord said, you're not ready for that. 
you got to grow these folks up spiritually first, Jerry. And the only way they're going to grow up spiritually is if you grow up spiritually. See, maybe it's the pastor you have. (laughs) Hope not. The acts of the sinful nature. Can you identify? Can you identify a carnal person? Paul says the acts are uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, drunkenness, orgies. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, control. Against such, there is no law. You know what that means? It means you can be as patient as you want to be. You can be as kind as you want to be. You can love as much as you want to love. That's what no law against that. Don't you want to know the deeper things of God? In verse number 3, Paul, said, Paul gives us some, uh, several things here that we never want to see in a church. You never want to see these things. Because you're still fleshly, envy and strife. Are you not of the of fleshly living like unbelievers? Paul said, let me tell you, if there is divisions, if there is jealousy, if there's strife, Paul says, one translation says, are you not living like ordinary people? Do we want to be ordinary? Uh, Mark Hall's song says, we were made to thrive. We weren't made to just get by. We weren't made to just do okay. We were made to soar. We were made to, to, to just go to the next level. And so he says, listen, I want you not to be uh, uh, envying, and especially don't envy the people in the world. The people in the world want to tell you everything is okay. We got it. The money's good. I'm happy. No, they're not. They're miserable. Because I'm telling you, and I've said this to you a lot of times, and somebody reminded me, they said, Brother Jerry, this is one of the best things you've ever told me. And I want to tell you, atheists are liars. There are no people who don't believe in God. Because I'm telling you, God puts it in every person to seek him. They know they're missing something, and they know there's absolutely no way. The heavens declare the glory of God. There's no way that you can look at this earth and this world, look at your body and how beautifully that it was made, if you can see, if you can walk, and not know that the design of this universe was made by God. You know that. They're not telling the truth. Look at verse number 4. Paul says, choosing up sides is not the way to go. For whenever someone says, I'm, I, I'm with Paul, another says, I'm with Apollos, are you not unspiritual people? There's a lot of preachers out there that have followings. We're not allowed to have followings as pastors. Choosing up sides and claiming or following leaders as if they're gods is just simply spiritually immature. The spiritually immature do stuff like that. Now listen, I've got some heroes in the faith. Uh, Dr. Gray Allison, my, some of my professors, and Dr. Gray Allison of Mid-America Seminary, godliest man I've ever known. He finished well. He went to the grave and went to heaven. Uh, being a righteous man, and he's left an incredible legacy. And we talk about leaving a legacy around here, but I don't worship Dr. Gray. I was proud to be one of his children, and I want you to be proud to, to be one of my sheep. But I'm not here to be put on a pedestal, and no one is to be put on a pedestal. Paul and Apollos and Peter and Christ, there, there are many, many members don't follow anyone. And listen, why were they in such an uproar? Why were, they, why were they quarreling about everything? Let me give you just a few things. Did you know that our different spiritual gifts cause us to fight? You see, some of you are prophets. You see everything black and white. Then comes along Miss Mercy. 
And Miss Mercy wants to forgive everybody. And you want to beat them over the head. And then y'all get in a quarrel. Well, no, we can't do that. We can't sing that song. We can't go here. We can't do that. We can't do this. can't do that. And we do have to draw the line on some things. But we're not supposed to fight about it. And so, you know, there's people, they're living above their means, and they're struggling financially, and God's teaching them a lesson. Miss Mercy runs in. Let me give you all $1,000 and get you all out of this trouble. No, see, our spiritual gifts at times can cause us to fight with one another. Some of you are very organized. Let me give you, let me get, I told Brother Charlie this this week. He said, say that again. All right, this is a good message for you. An unguarded strength is a double weakness. An unguarded strength is a double weakness. You may have a great personality, you may be gregarious, and you drive people crazy because you don't know when to stop. You all right? Unguarded strength, a double weakness. You may be a mercy person, but you don't know when to stop giving. Yeah? All right? You may be very organized. But when you go too far, you become OCD and you drive everybody around. You're crazy. Can I say this to you? If you vacuum the floor like this, pick the vacuum up and come back this way, set the vacuum down and do it again so there's no footprints on the carpet, you have a problem. <laughs> All right? Just saying. Paul said, <laughs> Paul said, they were quarreling. They were fighting. You know, we fight. Or we get jealous. Many people don't understand what church is about. Some people think this is the benevolence capital of the world. It's not. We're not a soup kitchen. We're a gospel machine. Lack of respect for leaders, selfishness, power trips, egos. How many churches right now are destroyed because five deacons behind the closed doors of the church make all the decisions? They wouldn't know a spiritual activity if they tripped over it. You have people leading the church of Jesus Christ who have never led anybody to Jesus. Can I say this? If you're not sharing your faith, you have no business in leadership. Amen. Traditions, well, we ain't never done it that way before. Well, so what? Nobody ever got hung on a cross and died for everybody's sins before either. But look how that turned out. Group dynamics. Some people just don't play well. Controllers, disagreeable people, lack of information. I'm telling you, that causes more problems in the church when people get accusatory with others, causing divisions in the church because they don't have the information. They comment on things they don't know anything about. I never do that. <laughs> Vision hijackers. I've had people walk in the door and say, y'all know what y'all need at Wood Lake? I said, well, thank you. We've been doing it this way for 17 years. Thanks for giving us. Why didn't you show up 17 years ago? Y'all all right? Spiritually immature, wrong use of committees. It is amazing of all the things. There's a great illustration, but I don't have time. I want to finish this section. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Look in verse 5 and 6. In verse 5 and 6, we, this is so important. He says, What then is Apollos and what is Paul? They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role the Lord has given him. Listen very carefully. 
What, what, did you see what he just said? Some of the most popular people in Scripture. Paul says, what then is Apollos? No big shots in the ministry. Nobody's better than anybody else. You believe this? Our sweet baby was baptized today. She's as important in the kingdom of God as I am. When a man gets full of himself in the pulpit, that's exactly what he's full of. He's full of himself, not the Holy Spirit. And he says, what is Apollos? What is Paul? We don't, you know, Paul says one planted. Look in verse 6. This is so good, y'all. Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. God gave the growth. And so, listen, I had a friend. She was Jewish. Stephanie, you love this. Robert would love this. She was Jewish. I was trying to lead her to Jesus. She listened. She listened. She listened. Never would receive Christ. She went to a Methodist revival, walked the aisle and got saved and joined a Methodist church. I'd be doggone. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just thought, what in the world? And then I remember, I planted, somebody watered, somebody got the increase. It is the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. You can share and plant seeds and plant seeds. and Your mom, your dad, you're worried about your kids. You talk to them, 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 you talk to them. They bump into somebody at the airport. The Holy Spirit moves and they get saved in the airport. You're like, it's like, here we go. One Paul says, I planted Apollos water. Don't get hung up on me. You ever heard this? Boy, that church is going somewhere. They done called so-and-so over there. Man, he is wearing it out from the pulpit. Listen. Look at, look at this passage. Look at it. God made it grow. So I told Charlie not too long ago, he said, because God God's been moving about six, nine months right here, if you hadn't noticed. The Lord's been doing some great things. And Charlie says, what do you think about all this? We were talking about it. I said, Charlie, you know, he says, man, you've been preaching these messages. God's been blessing you. I said, you know, I've known all my life that God does this. God's the one doing it, but I believe it now. Did you hear me? See, there's a lot of things that you know and you believe, but you don't really believe it. You think, man, I put the time in, I studied, I did all this. Let me tell you, God makes it grow. And listen, I've learned this. This is so beautiful. I plowed a soil. Brother Charlie's taught me so much about gardening, and I just love it, and I just get down in there. And uh, I've got some red cabbage. I've planted them twice now. They ain't come up yet. Mostly everything else came up, but that's not coming up. And I look at it, and I said, well, it's in good soil. I've watered it. I've kept it warm. I actually put them on a heating blanket. Everything up around them is growing, but those seeds will not come up. And I've just said, in the name of Jesus. No, you know, say, they won't come up. You know what I can't do? I can't make them, I can't make them germinate. Who does that? I go out there and look at my, it's been cold. A lot of y'all planted your gardens. I go out there and look at my cucumbers and I think, y'all coming? Y'all all right? I wonder if they're alive. Two days of heat this week, poof, they grew six inches. I was like, God did it. I can preach and preach and preach and preach and preach and prepare. And I can work on my homiletics and I can work on my tone of my voice. I can do all that stuff. One preacher told me, boy, when I wear a blue shirt, my people respond better. (laughs) Like, really? I got me some blue shirts. See, listen, 
Know your place, know your job, do your job. And pray, pray with all your heart that the Holy Spirit infuses it and makes it powerful. Look at verse number 7. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who gives it the growth. Now, the one planting and the one watering are one in purpose, and each will receive his reward according to his own labor. Did, did y'all ever have um, projects in college, group projects? Did y'all ever have them? I couldn't stand a group project. You know why? Because one or two people always get stuck doing all the work. In God's economy, listen to me, some of you right now, see, the divisions in the church were this. Well, I'm doing this, and you're not helping me, and you're not doing this and doing this. Some of y'all get tore up about that. Listen very carefully. God knows what you are doing. If you're a planner, plant. Everybody's not a planner. So don't come tell me to come plant if I'm a waterer. The one thing that we can all agree on is this. In God's economy, you get rewarded for what you do. I'm not going to get in trouble for what you didn't do. I get in trouble for what I didn't do. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. I will outwork you. But I'm not going to outwork you doing what you do. I'm going to do what I do. You see, God's given gifts to the entire church so that they blend together. And, and I, you know, some of us work. Some of, some of us plant. The Greek word means to put it in the ground. Paul also says there's a term here he used, springs up. And then the water comes along when it springs up. Somebody plows it. Somebody does that. In my garden, I have to do it all by myself. Nobody come and help me. So, but when we're in the house of the Lord, somebody's planting. Somebody's plowing. The soil has to be. Somebody's talking to somebody and softening that heart to get them here. And then they get here, and then somebody puts it in the ground, and somebody waters it. And the one thing that we absolutely all can agree on is picking fruit is a lot of fun. Yeah? When they keep talking to the children during vacation Bible school, listen, why do the children get more kids get saved during VBS week than any other time? Because we plowed, we fertilized, we got it ready, and they hear it every day for four days straight. They get this pounded with it. And, and there's fertilizer and water and sunshine going on that heart the whole time. And by the end of the week, that child says, now I get it. Did you hear, Brother Charlie, this morning? Let's talk about the ABCs. Accept, believe, confess. We teach them the salvation over and over and over again. If you have a child that's not saved and you don't bring them to vacation Bible school, it's your fault. Soil's been planted. And, and look, verse 8, he says, the soil. Now the one who plants and the one who waters, they're one in purpose. You just do your thing and do it well. And do it to the glory of God. And you will receive the reward. You won't be in a group project. This old Bubba over here, he didn't do anything, but he got an A with the rest of us. Not in God's economy. Every man gets rewarded. Now, let's, let's land this plane right here. Y'all all right? In verse number 9. This is good. See, God likes gardening. Did you, did you ever notice that the scripture is full of planting? pruning, harvesting. Jesus talked about these terms all the time. And I'm going to get me a big sign that says, Jerry's Therapy Garden. Because when I'm upset, I go to the garden. 
Now, before I was saved, I used to go to the garden and eat a can of worms. Now I go out there and feed the worms. For we are God's co-workers. You're God's field, God's building, according to God's grace that was given me. I laid a foundation, a skilled master builder. Wow. And other people are building on it. But each one must be careful how he builds on it. Y'all all right? What a good passage. So Paul says, you're the field. This is the word for farmer. It's the word for husbandman. It's the word for field. It's the word for landowner or cultivator. The word for building means to edify, the building, the architecture, the structure. Now listen, somebody says, oh, they say, they say this to you. Oh, you go to Brother Jerry's church. Can I say to you, it's not my church. I don't own any of you. This is not the field. This is not the building. You are the building. You're the church. And, and see, I don't, I don't own this building. You see, we're paying for it, but we don't own it yet. I mean, even after we pay for it, it's still not ours. But Paul says, look, Paul's talking spiritually. He says, for we are God's co-workers. We're co-workers. Now, for co-workers, we've got to get together. We've got to plow together, plant together, water together. You're God's field, God's built. You, not, Paul's talking about the people. He says, you are God's field, God's building. According to God's grace that was given to me, he said, I just came in and I laid the foundation. Paul was a foundation builder. Paul says, I built, I built this church. I, I started this church. And then I moved on. Paul was a church planner. But at some point, God, he said, say, God, this is your church. It's not mine. I'm leaving it. I'm going to Ephesus. And, Lord, I've got to turn it over to these people. And guess what? You, you ever heard this? You ever heard this? Boy, when brother so-and-so dies, that church is going to collapse. No, it's not. He's, he's not God. God will bring another man in to lead the sheep. You, you see, it, it just works that way. Why? Because you, you ever heard people say this? Well, the preacher, we got we to gotta, we gotta keep you under control because you guys come and go, but we have to stay here. It's their church. See, that's the problem. If it's, if it's your church, even, we're in trouble. It's his church. Did y'all know we weren't a democracy? We're not a democracy. You see, a democracy can outvote another side and do the wrong thing. We're a theocracy. I ask you when we're voting on something important to go home and pray and ask God to lead your heart into how we should pray. You see, we're co-workers together. But if God's leading all of us, we'll go in the same direction. Y'all say amen. So, Here's, man, this is just, this is absolutely just beautiful. We're co-laborers. Can I just say this to you? In these days, plowing's hard. Planting seeds is tough. Because the soil is really hard these days. Pray for people to have soft hearts. Planting is hard. A lot of seeds don't come up. We, we just keep pounding it, and it just, they never, you know, they're just red cabbage. They just won't come up. Fertilizer's hard. You know what I did in the house the other day? 
I put some powerful stuff on my house plants. I killed one of them. It just turned up dead. I burnt that joker up. You know, you have to be tactful. You take somebody that's lost and you go throw a bunch of fertilizer on him, you burn him up. And he's like, I ain't going back over there. That preacher's crazy. They burnt me up when I went in there. Fighting weeds is hard. You know, somebody comes in and sows a bunch of tares in here amongst the wheat, and we have all that problems. But picking fruit is really fun. Here's what Spurgeon says. Sowing looks like a losing business to the lost man. You see, the culture looks at us, and the culture says, Look at them crazy Christians over there. All they have talk about is Jesus walking around, planting, sowing. They think we're crazy. Have you ever seen somebody really sowing seeds? Or you see these people turning that little thing, throwing seeds all over the place, and you think, man, what a waste. Look what that guy's doing. That's what the, that's what the culture does when they look at us. They think, well, look at them. They're just wasting their time. I'm not wasting time. And the, listen, the hardest heart, Right now in my driveway, i got to go back out there and spray them. In the cracks of the concrete, you know what's coming up in there? A seed got in there. You know what happened? It grew. There's something coming out of the concrete. So keep throwing seeds. You all right? And here's our prayer. I want you to go here with me. We're going to close right here this morning. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. I want you to go there. And we're going to pray this morning that this is what the Lord would do for us, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And this is right after Pentecost. And man, what a good, man, what a good passage this is. And we'll start in verse 42. And this is, boy, this is just good stuff right here. Let's just go to verse 41 because that starts a new paragraph in your Bible, okay? So those who accepted his message were baptized And that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Wouldn't y'all like to see a Sunday like that? Woo! And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Wow. The fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together, and they held all things in common. Unity. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as everyone had need. Boy, I'm telling you, God's moving. When I mean, let me put it in perspective. All y'all go, sell, sell your house, sell your cars, sell everything, and we put all our money in one pot so we can take care of each other. Amen. Yeah, that's what I said. It's a guy with no jobs. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Howard. So, so, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And, and, every, and, and every day the Lord added to them the number that were being saved. Wouldn't that be awesome? Model church that we loved each other that much, that we would care for each other. You know, you often hear it. You ever been to a funeral and somebody say, person that's lost somebody, and you go and you pray with them, you love them, 
And they say, I don't know what I'd do without my church family. You ever hear anybody say that to you? I don't know what I'd do without the Lord. Well, it's true. And so if you're watching by way of internet today, and you never give in your heart to Jesus Christ, well, I want to tell you what comes with him, not only is heaven, not only the forgiveness of sins, not only a life that you'll never forget, it'll put you on a journey of constant growth and holiness, but you'll also get with that a pastor that loves you and a family that will support you and care for you. Altar's always open at Woodlake. If you've been visiting, you thought, today's the day I'm coming. I'm going to join Woodlake and be a part of what's going on. I want to get busy. I want to start putting some seeds out. You come. I will help you with that. If you want to make your profession of faith, some of you have been saved for a while or you want to present yourself for church membership or baptism, pastor's going to be right here with you, okay? You just come help me.